welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. It's great to be here. I uh, was, Andrew was going to speak the two weeks and then I decided he needed to pace himself more, so decided I was doing today. But then actually when you were doing that part, I thought I could have just let him flow. He was on a roll, wasn't he? Could have just, just let him go with it. Um, but in all seriousness, like, you know, Andrew probably doesn't always say, but it's, was it six or five o'clock this morning? He was throwing up. Like, so um, I just think there is, you know, we've gone through like the heart thing, but there's a, a bit of an attack at the minute over, and we just need to keep praying for Andrew because it's like, I woke up to the lovely dusset tones of, oh my word, is that one of the kids? And then realized there was nobody in the bed next to me. And yeah, Andrew had been struck with a, so you might want to s- stay away from him or believe, <laughs> or believe he's healed now. And uh, <laughs> yes, as everyone in the second row moves back, Emma's going, oh, I'm sitting here. Um, but the other, a few weeks ago, when Adam was talking, he was talking about being courageous, and he was talking um, about the whole fight-flight-freeze um, response that we have, and it was quite interesting for us, because we, you know, as, when we run our business, we work a lot um, with um, different groups of people, and we talk a lot about that, about performing under pressure, and how, you know, just how we respond at times when we're fearful. And because a lot of people that we deal with are maybe people in management or people going for interviews, people often experience those things. You know, like, who loves job interviews here? Anyone? Hands up? Anybody? I remember one time somebody went, I just love talking about myself, so I actually love job interviews. (laughs) They were like, it's just that's the one time it's all about me. You know, um, that's the only person I've ever met who, who said that. But in general, it's one of those circumstances, isn't it, when people get under pressure? And they say all these things like, my mind just went blank. I couldn't remember anything. It was just like a fog. And it's because they're in that fight, flight, or freeze thing. They've, they've literally begun to panic. And so we try to help people deal with that. And what do you do? How do you deal with yourself when you're under pressure? Or you've got to give a talk. That's one of the other things, isn't it? It's one of them, you know, out of the 10 biggest fears. You know, most of you people are like super chatty. If, and it, but then as soon as Andrew and I say, oh, would you like to share that in church? Or do you, it's like you've... You've asked them to, you know, it's like the worst thing ever because the thought of being up here, like people can stand there and say something, but as soon as you, you make that little step up on the stage, the fear comes in. So we, do you know what we do recently? We've been getting people to do breathing exercises. So actually doing breathing exercises can bring you kind of back down again and you can start to control that fight or flight response. Apparently for the first 60 to 90 seconds, there's nothing you can do. You're just going to feel like your heart's pumping out of your chest. And, you know, but after the 90 seconds, 60 to 90 seconds, um, my sister-in-law was researching all of this because she's done a whole lot of stuff around neuroscience. You can start to then kind of get yourself to level out a bit more. So it's about, because apparently it's just, Um, sympathetic nervous system that is kind of that's that cortisol gets released into your body the stress hormones you've got the cortisol and adrenaline and so that literally reduces your ability to think straight so rather than just thinking I've forgotten everything in a job interview or when you're standing up here saying something it's just the blood's going away from your brain and it's going to those vital organs to help you you know run out the door so you literally just can't think straight that's what's happening so by actually regulating your breathing Okay, what happens is, and it's all about nostril breaths, apparently. It's not big sort of breathing in like this. It's about breathing in and holding your breath and breathing. Apparently, the breathe out, so the longer, the longer time you can breathe out, okay, that's what releases another hormone that gets your, your body out of that sympathetic nervous system into the parasympathetic 
parasympathetic nervous system, and then your body goes back into rest and recovery. All right, so it's this whole lot of neuroscience. And apparently, like, it was amazing. I did a bit of research, and there's all these things that can happen. So apparently, it lowers your blood, it lowers your blood pressure and your heart rate. So Andrew and I are now doing lots of, just breathe, <laughs> don't panic. Um, normally, when Ben walks into the room, I'm like, just breathe, Andrew. <laughs> Big nostril breaths, remember? Breathe out slowly, <laughs> um, as the dog and everybody else gets wound up. And then, yes, reduces the stress hormones, reduces lactic acid in your muscle tissue. There's so much that happens. Reduces and balances your levels of oxygen and carbon dioxide in the blood. It improves your immune system functioning, improves your physical energy, and increases feelings of calm and well-being, all just by going, hold it, and then breathe out for a long time. Now, why am I telling you that? Some people are probably thinking, what is she up there? What is she talking about? Do you know, about, probably about three or four minutes ago, was anyone thinking about breathing? No. And now, probably for the last two minutes, have you all been thinking about breathing? Have you been all been aware of breathing? And then you get to that thing where you go, oh, flip, I hope I, hope I keep breathing. Like, you suddenly think, I've got to keep doing this. I've got to keep breathing. I've got to make sure that I'm breathing properly. But it's that sense of, it's always happening. It's always going on in the background. And we're hardly ever paying any attention to the fact, are we? hardly ever aware, apart from when we're climbing up the mounds. Like normally when Andrew and I and the kids are going up the mounds, he's normally in front and the rest of us are trying to keep up. It's only the last time we did it that he was behind us and the rest of us like, what's wrong with daddy? As he's like sort of feeling a bit of chest pain. So um, yes, that wasn't the best experience, but it's, it's this sense of actually it just goes on all the time. We're, we're doing it all the time, but we're, most of the time we're not that aware of it, even though there's these massive health implications and it's a really really positive thing we don't often think about breathing and do you know what it made me think about it made me think about presence of God I just felt over this last number of weeks that that's just been a word that's been on my heart all the time it's about the presence of the Lord because a bit like breathing he's with us all the time isn't he but how often are we aware of it it's not that he comes and goes he's just there constantly but sometimes we go by our feelings. Sometimes we think God's distant. Um, but actually, you know, if we think about the truth, because we don't want to live by feelings, we want to live by the truth, okay? So if we want to align ourselves and if we want our, our lives to go in the right direction, then we want our lives to be in line with the truth of God's word. So we've got to realize that feelings are not facts, and even facts aren't truth. Truth's above it all, isn't it? There'll be time when things are a fact in your life, but that's not the truth of what God says. So we want to keep lining our, our, our lives up away from feelings, even away at times from facts, because that might be, a fact might be real today, but it can change. But the truth is eternal. And I want to just remind you this morning of a few truths. I really want the presence of the Lord, you just to be aware of it this morning, just throughout this morning, just like, I mean, the way Andrew has ministered already in the worship guys, we're, we know that the Lord is here. But sometimes we're just not aware when we leave this place and when we get busy in our weeks. We're not always aware all the time. But Jesus says in Matthew 20, 28, this is the truth. He says, surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's not just on a Sunday. That's not just when you're praying in the morning. That's not just when you've remembered you're every other day with Jesus and you're like, oh, flip, I better read a Bible verse or I'm going to pray or... That's all the time. 
Every second, every minute of the day, he is with us always. And in Hebrews 13, 5, he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Never. So he has completely committed himself to each one of us. There is nothing that we can do. There is nowhere that we can go. There's nothing that's going to take us outside of his love for us. So, you know, what scholars would say that, you know, use this word omnipresent, just that it means that God is everywhere at all times. So just like our breathing never goes away, it never switches off. You're all thinking about breathing again now, aren't you? Big nostril breath. But the reality is, isn't it, sometimes we're just really aware, you know, especially in Christian circles, sometimes we make the presence of God really mystical, don't we? We kind of go, oh, I just really felt the presence of the Lord there. Or sometimes we're like, I just don't know where God, I just haven't felt God. And we, we kind of make it almost, remember Andrew used to kind of describe it as like will-o'-the-wisp, kind of like, oh, are we in God's presence? Are we not? And there are times, aren't there? I mean, I love um, the prayer meetings before church because it's almost, for us at times, church can be busy. You know, I think whenever we well, probably we've always been involved in ministry, but often Sundays was not kind of your restful day. Sundays was your busy day and your lots to do day. And I was out with Louise and Nicola yesterday and I said, I'm so grateful for everything that these guys do because I had headed up the kids ministry for so long. My Sunday morning used to start with ding. Oh, sorry, I'm not well this morning. Sorry, the kids are not well this morning. Not going to make it this morning. And I'm running into church thinking I've got one later or there's nobody on crash. Or, you know, it was just Sundays were busy. But there's something lovely about before we start church on a Sunday morning when we get into this room and we just pause and we stop and we rest. And there's no agenda. It's just, Lord, we're just here for you. And we speak blessing and life over what's going to happen here. And for me, sometimes that time is the most relaxed time because I have nothing to do during that bit. <laughs> you know, I don't need to be mindful of lots of other things. But it's the case of if we can throughout the week, and I think this is on my heart, it was like, how can we make sure that our Sunday experience is flowing the rest of the week? That we don't feel like we've got these little moments just that we're in God's presence and then the rest of the time that we're just kind of getting through and then we wait again when we can pause, because the Lord wants us to have those special times, those intimate times. He wants us to have those encounter moments, but he doesn't want us to feel like that's all there is. He wants those encounter moments to be fueling the rest of our weeks so that we really have this sense of him dwelling inside of us. And just like Andrew was saying that this morning, that's the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is on the inside of us. And that's what he wants us so that when we're faced with things that are difficult, that we don't think, where are you, God? Where are you? But we're actually just so aware, just like breathing, we're so aware of his presence. In Colossians 1, 16 to 17, it says, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He's before all things, and in him all things hold together. Like Andrew's already said, all things, all things hold together. It's literally, if we, can you imagine what your life would look like if you were believing that every moment of the day? If you were walking every moment with just that complete assurance and peace that God was holding it all together for you. So no matter what situation was coming before you, what circumstance you were faced with, you just had that absolute assurance that he'd got it 
because he is holding it all together. But there's so many times we either think we've got to hold it together or somebody else has got to hold it together for us or, God, do you even realize what I'm going through? But this is truth again, and it's, I just feel like let's, let's line ourselves up with this truth because he's not distant. And no matter how far away we think we are or how far away we might think somebody else is, you know, there's times when we're looking at people in our families and we're maybe worried that they're distant or they're far from God. You know, Psalm 139 says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I send into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. You know, God is literally all around us. He's in everything. And I think one of the greatest things we can do is to keep asking him all the day, show me, Lord. And just that thankfulness, that spirit of gratitude when we're just reminding ourselves every day of every way that he's blessing us and just saying, thank you, Lord, for that. And thank you, Lord, for this. And I remember Bill Johnson just saying, like, he used to just believe everything was an answer to prayer. He's like, you know, I don't know if God did that or not, or brought that person to me or not, or what, you know, he just went, but I, I'm going to be thankful anyway. And I just thought, what a brilliant way to approach things. You know, sometimes we think, well, maybe that just happened, or it was coincidence, but isn't it better to think, God, you're just over it all. You're just working on it all. Everything that's coming my way is from you. Every good and perfect gift, doesn't it say, comes from God. But sometimes, because life's just so busy, we don't take that time just to slow ourselves down, just to stop just to drown out all of that noise and just settle for a moment. And that's what I just wanted you, everyone to do this morning. Just breathe. Just settle yourselves. Just know that rest that's on the inside of you. Because sometimes we're doing everything we can to find rest, don't we? We just think, oh, I just need this. I just need a night to myself. I just need a nice bath with the candles. I just need whatever. We're looking for all these external things. And they're great, but nothing's going to give us that true rest. And there's times that our minds and our hearts can be so filled with other stuff that we're struggling to really just hear God. And I just think the more that we can allow him, just lean into his voice. We need the quiet moments. We need those times where we drown everything else out. But we also just need in the little everyday things of life, just to be saying, God, I know you're with me. Even when you're not feeling it, to be declaring to that truth that you are right here in the midst of me. And I was reading a couple of um, articles just online, and I loved these quotes. One said, we should take our life with God, our awareness of his presence, with us everywhere, not just into our quiet times, but into our noisy times, incorporating practices into our lives that help us keep that awareness right in front of us throughout the day. And another one said, practicing God's presence is not about emphasizing the spiritual over the material, or the sacred over the secular. It's about integrating the two realms and living as amphibious beings, as C.S. Lewis used to call it. Imagine amphibious beings. We're part of this spiritual realm, but we've got this practical, you know, normal life going on about us all the time. Just like Andrew was saying at the start, there's these two worlds that we're in. You know, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. And Lord wants us that more of that kingdom to come on earth. And the more that we can keep pausing, and the more we can keep being aware, just every time we breathe, God, it's your breath. It's your breath. It's your life in me. It's your presence with me all the time. There is nothing I need to fear because you're holding it all together. You know, 
um, one of the verses that I absolutely love is Psalm 16, verses, um, verse 11. It says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. Isn't that beautiful? In your presence, there is fullness of joy. How many of you guys want fullness of joy? Like literally, I want fullness of joy. But I think sometimes in our heads, we have a picture of that, don't we? Everything going well, kids all happy, husband's not moaning, the rugby's not on. It's just a dream day. Do you know, yesterday, this was our afternoon. I was out with Nicola and Louise, which you saved me from rugby. But then we got back. I know you know when you think the rugby game's over, but then it's saying 10 minutes, 50-something seconds, and you're like, hold on a minute. We've definitely had an hour and a half of rugby, but no, we're on to the second game. And then we have, we've got to listen to the highlights and things. And then even, do you know what's brilliant now? Because the girls are getting fed up of it. Because um, I don't even need to say anything anymore. Even, even Hope said, like, Daddy, could the TV go off at tea time, please? I think we're, it's quality time, time, Daddy. So she, he's now got two daughters who are very demanding. Even, and then in the mornings, Daddy at the weekends would like to put on like a few golf videos. And Sophie's like, this is our special family time, Daddy. And you're ruining it with golf videos, not feeling very special. And I'm just saying nothing, just like doing the dishes. <laughs> I'm saying nothing. <laughs> and yes, and then, uh, and then Daddy last night, uh, he was not feeling very well, but he did get a little bit huffy because he came downstairs and uh, he was still, the rugby was over, but then it's Twitter after the rugby. It's the post-rugby Twitter then. So the head's in the phone, scrolling. <laughs> And I was like, and I just happened to say, do you think we could put that off now? And, uh, and it's just, but obviously he wasn't feeling very well, so that's why, that's why it was a little bit of a short remark. <laughs> just getting my own back now, because I know that obviously I get a slagging normally. So, <laughs> yes, the grace period's over. <laughs> he's feeling better. He's over the sickness. He's looking, there's a bit of color back in your face. <laughs> but... Uh, but there's, there's something incredible, isn't it, when we take time and we just allow that, that quality time with the Lord. It's about being in his presence, but knowing that it's, that's not just the moment he wants us to be with him. And sometimes I think we feel like if we haven't had that quality time with him, then we can't include him in the rest of the day because he's feeling a bit disappointed with us. Have you ever had that? Do you ever say that to yourself? Like, you know, can I cry out to you now, Lord? Although I haven't really cried out to you recently and I haven't really spent that bit of that nice sort of good time with you so whereas the Lord's just like I'm holding it all I'm in it all and I just want you to, to recognize that acknowledge that that I'm with you um I think it's a really important season for us now as a church because things are going to look different aren't they things are going to look different in a number of weeks in less than a few months we're going to be somewhere different and um and that's that's exciting that's interesting. That's, um, we've been looking around at different things. And, um, but do you know what we realized? Like, there's, a, there's a number of buildings that we've been considering and looking at. And it is funny because you, know, you, you just start comparing everything. Well, it's not the same as the coffee lounge, is it? We, do, we like the coffee lounge, don't we? And we love the twinkly lights. And oh, I don't know about pews because I don't know if people would like pews. And oh, the kids' room's not as big as the last one. And well, this, it'd be good for this. But then, you know, what, what about the parking? And you get awful picky, don't you? And you go, seriously, is that? Because guys, if I thought somebody didn't go to a new building because they didn't like the chairs or the lights were not twinkly or I don't like the screen there or 
I'd go, seriously, is that what we're really about? And I'd probably think, you maybe just need to go somewhere else. Genuinely. Because if it's not about the presence of the Lord, and it's not about being a family, and if it's not about reaching this world and reaching Belfast, then we're all wasting our time. And you probably just need to go and find somewhere where the chairs are nicer and the lights are twinkly. Do you know what I mean? Because <laughs> it might not be nicer and the lights might not be twinkly. But I know that God's moving us. And I know that God has got the right place. And it isn't about a building. I think it's about a new season. Because God's doing something new and God's doing something different. And it's not going like, to be like what it was before. So it means we do need to let go of things. And some things will be stripped away and some things won't be as nice and some things will be nicer. Isn't that about when, we, when you move house? Some things are different. Sometimes you go, oh. Do you know that sense when you move house and you get your house so nice because you're having to sell it and you fix everything that hasn't been fixed and it looks lovely and then the day you leave and you go, seriously? <laughs> like, <laughs> it actually is lovely now. I like my last house. It's really nice. So, well, oh, this place, so this place is, is going to all be dismantled and, it's gonna, and everything's going to look different. But it's exciting because it's a new season. And this is when, when everything else gets stripped away. That's why it's about the presence of Jesus leading us and guiding us and walking us into new things. And that's why it's super important that we have that in our lives, that we have that at the heart of what we're doing. Because that's when, when we're living from that, that we're going to see that fullness of joy. It's not the outside things, it's the internal things that are going to feed us and move us forward. And I was thinking about the, the, the one character that the Lord put in my heart to, to talk about was Moses. And um, I was thinking about how, you know, often today we can convince ourselves that, oh, flip, see, see, see this world today, it's shocking, isn't it? I'm, I'm away to see my mum. Later this week we're going over because my mum's 80, my dad was 80 in, was it... July last year, my mum is, we must be thinking our families where we all do birthdays together. My mum is 80 um, in, a f- in a few week, couple of weeks. And so we're going away um, to have a family celebration. Um, but my mum is funny because the first, first like 20 minutes we see her, she normally says about the doom and gloom because she reads, she reads the papers and watches the news all the time. So, oh, it's terrible this world today, isn't it? Oh, it's shocking. Oh, it's terrible. And, but I think every generation thinks it's getting worse, don't they? Every generation saying, like, oh, my goodness, the things today. And, and Andrew and I had Ben showing us something the, the other day. He's always into, like, new things that are coming out, every new phone or drone or whatever. So he was showing us this YouTube video, and it's about these Apple goggles. Anybody seen it? Oh, my goodness. Anyway, hands up if you've seen it. Right, you're all going to go home now and, you, and YouTube this new product. It, I just thought it was mental. I thought it was crazy. So you can wear these goggles, and you, the idea is that you walk around, you can see through the goggles, but they also show you like a phone screen, like at the side. So it's this like you're in a virtual world, but a real world at the same time. So it had this guy, he was like sitting on a bench, but he could type on a virtual keyboard in front of him. So it was the weirdest thing. He just like pressed this thing on the, on the goggles or he voice activated them, did he? And so this keyboard would come up in front of him. So people were walking past him and he's sitting there typing like on, on a keyboard. It, it, you've got to go and Google it. So it's, it's this, you're in, and then you could do this thing that you would have like, like dinosaur world. You would press this button or say, activate this. And as he was, as he was standing in this coffee shop, these dinosaurs would be coming like towards him. So he was walk, he had all these people like walking around him and yet... He had all of this half-real world, you know, a virtual world as well. 
And I just thought, oh my goodness. And obviously they like these big crazy goggles, but they're looking that they will develop this technology into like it would just be a pair of glasses that you put on. So you wouldn't need a phone anymore because your glasses would have all these like options around them and you could just speak. And I just thought, how will we ever get people to interact with each other when you're half the time speaking to these glasses and doing things? Do you know what I mean? It was like, this is so random. And it just made me think, oh my goodness, like we're already so connected and disconnected, aren't we? We've got so much connection, but you get a group of teenagers, like we had our, um, from Ireland's birthday, we had all the family around, so Ben and his two cousins sitting on the sofa, all sitting on the phones next to each other, but like talking at each other through the phones, you know what I mean? And you think, how do we, how do we connect if we're putting all of these things to make life easier that are just creating more distance? Crazy, and that, and that makes me go, oh my goodness, what is the world coming to? And yet, you know, we can think as parents, how do we protect us, our kids against these things? How do we, you know, create this safe environment? We can have all of this stuff going on. But it just made me think more and more, we've got to build this internal world, haven't we? We've got to strengthen ourselves on the inside because actually all of that stuff, there's always going to be this crazy stuff going around on the outside. And if we try and, um, you know, if we let that external world dominate us, then we'll break under the pressure. We can't control all these outside things, but what we can control is who God says we are. We can renew our minds to the truth about who we truly are. And we can allow those internal worlds to be the source of strength. Not panic about what's on the outside, but know that he's the one holding it all together, that he's the one taking care of us. And so I wanted... um, I wanted to look at the story of Moses. I'm going to, guys at the back, I'm going to skip a few things and jump on to where I talk about the story of Moses because if you think about what he was born into, you know, you think these times are crazy and oh my goodness, the the demands on kids today. Well, let's have a look at what Moses was born into because if you look at Exodus 1, verse 22, it says, Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, every son that is born to the Hebrews, you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. Now, not the best time to be a boy, let's face it. Like if you are having a baby and it's a boy, this is not a good time because basically you've been told that um, you've got to get rid of him. And if you think about Moses' mom, I actually thought it's actually really interesting what she does because she puts him in a basket and she actually goes and puts him in the Nile. You know, the very place that they're told, you know, you've got to go and put your kids in the Nile. You, they're all going to be thrown in. She goes and does it. But she has a trust that actually God's going to provide a third way here. And I felt today there's some people, there's times when we're faced with what seems like impossible situations where it's like neither plan A or plan B look good. You know, I was thinking for her, plan A was, yes, I'll go and throw my son in the Nile. Not a good option. Plan B, I'll try and hide him. He's probably going to get found. You know, it's easy to hide a baby, not easy to hide a child growing up. So she goes for a third way. And I think that God's the God of the third way. But there's times we don't always see that because we're looking with natural eyes, aren't we? We're trying to work things out for ourselves. I was feeling like actually the Lord is always saying, when you step back, when you just rest in my presence, allow my peace to flow over you, you will find a third way. I will show you a third way. But sometimes we're so busy, we can't see it for ourselves. So she finds she trusts God and she chooses to believe there is hope for my son. I'm not just going to give him up. 
I'm not going to just try and shrink away and hide him forever. No, there's, tr- there's hope for my son. And she believes and she lets go. And I think that's the thing for all of us, isn't it? There's, t- there's something about letting go. I know for us with the building, again, when I was with Nicola and Louise, I stayed and Louise was saying, do you, you know, have you guys been stressing over the building? And I said, actually, it's the one thing that we haven't really worried about at all. Now, in a few weeks, she might have been going, well, maybe you should have been worrying a little bit more. But, but genuinely, because it felt like that we have no control over this. There's things that we can do, but actually, we can't make something pop out of, it, of nowhere, and we don't want to get the wrong place anyway. And it was interesting, one of the buildings that we looked at, there was another church group interested in it. And you, you could get into the, you know, Andrew's going like, you don't want to get into a bidding situation with another church. You don't want to kind of be trying to, that's not kingdom. And I actually stepped back and thought, isn't it brilliant that there's a number of churches looking for buildings? Isn't that fantastic? Like, look from God's perspective. He's not going, oh, goodness sake, there's another, there's another church wanting that building. He's like, isn't that fantastic that people are fired up and wanting to build my kingdom here in Belfast? Shouldn't we be encouraged at the fact that this church is looking for buildings? Isn't that brilliant? Because all year, you know, you often hear that church is closing. Well, isn't it great when there's groups that are looking to expand what the work that they're doing? And I thought often, you know, our focus can be so narrow. If you think for Moses' mom, you know, she, she thought... She was rescuing her son. This was her attempt to, you know, Lord, I'm going to trust you with my son. And she was concentrating on her child. And if you think from God's perspective, what was he doing? He wasn't just rescuing a son. He was rescuing the deliverer for his people. His eyes were not just on that, on that one child. He was looking, to, how, do I, how do I raise up somebody who is going to rescue my people? And then even bigger, if you zoom out even further, this was just a foreshadow. This was to show us that there was an ultimate rescuer who was going to rescue not just one people group, but who was going to rescue the world. Isn't it incredible? We zoom in, don't we, on the little details. We may be going, oh, we need a new building for our church. We're on these little details, and God's going, wow, look at what I'm doing in Belfast. What am I doing in the nations? What am I doing globally to build my church And we've got to zoom out, haven't we? And see the bigger picture and see that we're part of an amazing puzzle. We're part of this incredible plan that God's bringing together. But we can get so bogged down into just me, 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 aren't we? And my, and and what's, what's happening with me, God? And actually, I think it's the seek first, the kingdom of God. Seek first me. And then everything else is going to be added. So it's exciting. And it is about getting things in order and getting ready. You know, Moses' mom, she didn't know what the next step was, did she? She didn't think, I'm going to go and put him in here, and then hopefully somebody's going to rescue him. Like, she was, she was believing and trusting that something, but she didn't know how that was going to work out. And yet, look at what the Lord did. It's incredible, isn't it? Not just that he was rescued by Pharaoh's daughter, but he was rescued, but then the mom was restored back with her son, and she was able to raise him and nurture him, and that he wasn't taken away. Actually, God gave him back. It's beautiful. And then God raises him in a palace, so he has a different mindset. But even though then he finds himself, you know, there's things that he did wrong. And I think sometimes we're frightened of, of getting it wrong, aren't we, when God's, God's leading us and guiding us. And it isn't always a straight path. There's times we can maybe go off course a little bit, but that's fine. God works in those things. And, you know, Moses at one stage finds himself, he, flee, he kills the Egyptian and he flees from the palace. Um, and he's probably thinking, oh, flip, what's all this about now? Like, you know, what am I doing? 
He's taken out of everything that's familiar to him. He's, not, he's no longer with the Hebrews. He's no longer with the Egyptians. He's in another place. He's just, and I love the fact that in the midst of all of that, you know, it's not kind of looking anymore the way he might have thought it was going to look, that God comes and reveals himself in the burning bush. And it made me think, you know, there's going to be significant moments in our lives. It's God's presence is with us at all times. Just like, you know, you're breathing. Think about your breathing again. Big deep breaths. But God is with us at all times. But then there's going to be moments where he reveals himself in a special way, where he just shows up. And it's those moments that we hold on to. Because on those days where we're going, where are you, God? And we're having to believe in faith that he's with us, that we think back to those incredible, powerful encounters where we've known that we know that we know that we know he is there. And I love the fact that, you know, when he reveals himself, there's that physical place. Remember, he says to Moses, remove your sandals because this place is holy ground. It's like, this is, it's something that Moses is never, ever going to forget. And he re reveals himself in the fire. And we know that symbol of the Holy Spirit. And then what happens next after that encounter? Think about it. He encounters God. It's not just about the warm and fuzzies. It's not just about, it's actually now go. Isn't it? He encounters him, and then he tells him to go, and he sends him into a new season. And he doesn't know what it's going to look like, and I think he probably didn't feel ready for it. He didn't think he was the right person for it. He didn't know what it was going to look like. He didn't know how it was going to work out. But he had to trust. But what did the Lord say to him in Exodus 3, 11? He said, I will be with you. I will be with you. And I think that's for us today to go. When we go, we've got to have this assurance that God is saying, I will be with you. Because there's some days that you're going to just know that I'm with you. There's going to be other days when everything is going to tell you, God's not here. What have you done? You know, this is not the way it was supposed to be. All those emotions are going to come up. And that's when you've got to hold on to the fact and you've got to trust and believe. And he sent Moses to go and face down his enemy. He sent Moses because he had a greater plan. Okay, He had a plan to deliver him, a plan to deliver his people. And it's this incredible thing that this moment in history was actually part of a moment for all time, for all eternity. And this Passover that was going to happen where these people were delivered was just the preparation for the true Passover lamb. That Jesus, this was just a foreshadow of what that true event that was going to come. And you know, when you look at Moses' life, there's loads of encounters. Um, Gary's even talking about one this, this morning. Lots of times when, you know, the Lord, when Moses experiences God's presence on you know, Mount Sinai and how they're led by the pillars of fire and um, by the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. And they see these tangible things. The people, the children of Israel see these tangible things in the sky of God's presence leading them, guiding them every day. And I think sometimes we think, I wish we had that. You know, like the manor every day showing up, like, you know, and those physical things. Do you know, um, we were talking yesterday about at food, we're doing Hello Fresh at the minute. That's like manor every day. You just open the fridge and it's there, a little bag, and you follow your instructions and it's, it's great. Um, but sometimes we just want those real tangible things, don't we? We want, it, we want those encounter moments. 
And yet God is saying, you're living in a greater revelation than the Israelites. You have my spirit within you. And he's leading us every day by his peace. And I think that's something that most of us, I know for myself, I don't, I don't lean into that enough. I don't lean into the peace of God enough. I let too much of what my eyes are seeing, you know, dominate my thoughts. I let too much of what, what I'm hearing dominate my thoughts. And Lord, I don't need to be afraid. I don't need to think there aren't the answers. I don't need to panic and think, what way should I go? Your peace is going to lead me. Your peace is going to guide me. And if I, if I get it wrong, you're going to pick me back up again and put me on the right path. And I want to read with you from the Amplified Bible because I thought this was a beautiful translation about the peace of God. It says, let the peace of Christ, and the Amplified, remember, it goes into things, it explains it so well, the inner calm of one who walks daily with him. Isn't that lovely? Let the peace of Christ, and that means that inner calm of one who walks daily with him, be the controlling factor in your heart. And that explains it by saying, deciding and settling questions that arise. Isn't that lovely? So let that peace be the controlling factor in your heart. So when you're not quite sure, that peace is deciding and settling the questions that are coming up. To this peace indeed you're called as members of one body of believers and be thankful to God always. Again, when we're thankful, when we're looking at things that we can just show gratitude to the, to the Lord for, then we're going to experience more peace. I think we can speak peace over ourselves as we just speak thanks and gratitude. And in John 14, 23, Jesus says, If anyone really loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our dwelling place with him. Again, we talked about this in the prayer meeting this morning, that Jesus, he is our dwelling place that we literally can just oh, breathe. And this morning, as you've experienced peace, and you've, you've just experienced that calm, I think there's just been a sense of calm, a sense of rest, a sense of peace. Just think this is what the Lord just wants you to, to walk in this week. He wants you, when you go into chaotic situations, to know that his peace is there in the midst of that, and you're going to be able to speak peace to those people around you. When there's people panicking about stuff, there's, when there's all that busyness and there can be strife, you're going to be the one in the midst of that that ministers peace, that ministers life, that ministers wholeness. And again, remember at the beginning I was talking about breathing? We'll think about it again. Big deep breaths. Because every time we say it, we're conscious of it, aren't we? Then we don't talk about it, we forget. But it's been happening all the time, luckily, hopefully. Just not nudge the person next to you just in case. <laughs> We're all still breathing. Great. We think about the first, why is breathing so significant? If we look at Genesis 2, 7, it says, The Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a physical being. He gave us, he gave us our very breath. He's every breath that we're taking. It's because of him. And, and breath in the Bible, it's more than that physical exchange of air. It's not just this physical process that's happening. It's one of the most profound symbols in Scripture, both you know, throughout the New Testament and in the Old Testament. It's equated with God's Spirit. So the same word for breath is often the same word that's used for the Holy Spirit. So you've been breathing every day of your life, 
and every breath is symbolic of God's spirit in you. Isn't that beautiful? As you're breathing in and breathing out. And I was reading this article online, and this is what it said. When, we're, when we are least able to take the time to think of God and God's presence, just like breathing, God is still there. If that is reality when we're not thinking about it, imagine the power when we take the time to be deliberate and really give God's Holy Spirit some serious thought. Breathe deep. Fill your lungs with the breath that flows from the one who created you and called you good. That's not lovely. Breathe deep and let your lungs be filled with a breath that flows from the one who created you and called you good. That's what he says about you today. You are good. No matter what we think about ourselves, how we see ourselves, he's looking at you and he says, you're good. And he is filling you. He is filling you. So I want you to leave this place today knowing what God said to Moses, I will be with you. So tomorrow morning, no matter what's happening, midweek, whatever's going on on the wet Tuesdays, hopefully the rain's not lashing in, but who knows. He doesn't call us to do anything he hasn't equipped us for. So church, in this next season of packing up and moving, he's not calling us to that if he hasn't already got us ready for it. He doesn't leave us on our own. We can't run away from him or outrun him. He is the one who's holding it all together. He's intimately connected every moment of our lives throughout the day, every breath he's in it. So what can we do? Every time we have that tendency or that, just that inclination to feel overwhelmed, you know, those moments where we can just feel like there's too much coming at us, what have we got to do? Don't let the fear come in. Don't let those anxious thoughts come in. If they do, just stop. Breathe, okay? The doctors are going to tell you it's good for you. You know, all those health experts are going to tell you it's good for you, but they only know in part, don't they? They can see how it affects your body. They can't see actually the spiritual implications that it's actually the breath of God. It's actually the life of God that you're breathing in. So pause, remember his presence, practice it throughout the day. You know, next time I trip over a drone, I'm going to take a deep breath. Next time I come down in the morning, there's all the dirty plates. And the dog on the sofa, that's not going to happen. <sighs> going to breathe in. All right. But we can, we can do it throughout the day, can't we? Sophie had to practice it the other day. She's really into tidying at the minute. It's amazing. Sophie has taken this thing to tidy the house. And she's doing it. She's like, she's so organized. She actually has this, she has two, she got two organizers for Christmas. One was from Gran and one was from her sister. So she's got, one is the things I'm going to do in the day. And then the other is I'm going to write down what I did and what I didn't manage to do and reflect. Like, Where did we get this child from? It's like, oh my goodness. Mental. Anyway, so then she came home the other day. I'm, I'm just going to, I'd like to tidy. And I'm going to just t take like a pocket of things at a time and tidy it. And then, so then she'd had this whole thing on Friday where she tidied the desk area, and it was great because Gran and everyone was coming, so she was on a wee tidy thing. But then Saturday she went, what happened to the desk, Mommy? Like, sorry. <laughs> I'm apologizing to my daughter. Sorry, Sophie, there was a lot of people here yesterday, and things just got moved. <sighs> she went and put everything back again. So, But it is that thing, isn't it, in those moments throughout the day, because things, we have all these plans, don't we? The plans of what we want to get done, plans of what we think is going to happen. And life doesn't go like that. Sophie's learning that as she reflects on a day. Things didn't quite go the way she thought they would go. 
But it's remembering if we can pause, if we can breathe, if we can go, God, you're in this interruption. You're in this inconvenience. You know, I've got the grace right at this minute for this. And your plan for me is much bigger. I've got to zoom out here because I might have thought that this was my priority for today. But actually, if I take a step back, you've got a whole much bigger, more exciting picture for me to do. And it is that thing of actually... It's not asking God, are you here? It's going, God, thank you that you're here. It doesn't matter whether I feel it or not. You are here with me. You're getting me through. You're leading me into green pastures. Goodness and mercy will hunt me down, like Andrew was talking last week in Psalm 23. So I want us to fill our hearts and minds with him, not just on Sundays, not just on Wednesday nights, or first thing in the morning. It's realizing all the time, every breath, every, every time, Something's coming at us. Just take a breath. Breathe in. No. It's about being intentional. He's communing with us. He's there all the time. It's about us tuning in to his wavelength, isn't it? Amen. Amen.